0: is that even possible how is that even humanly possible it's not right that is is a miracle only possible through the power of Jesus Christ his blood and his name by the power of the spirit working in someone's life redeeming them among the evil that they had done wow let it be on the other end, what had happened to them in that tragedy, to receive that, to, to offer forgiveness at that magnitude, oh my goodness, only in Jesus, only in Jesus. Well, we're continuing our Alpha series. If you're new with us, this is a series we've been going through asking big questions, some of the biggest questions about life. And today we're taking a, a nice, simple, easy question. Like, how do I resist evil? So if you're new with us, this is week seven as we continue. My name is Pat Lacerda. I get to be one of the pastors here and chair in the teaching team. If you have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand or ushers will get one in your hands. Uh, we're talking about evil okay and so the bible defines evil this way that which is not moral that which causes harm a lack of holiness contrary to what is holy a lack of goodness and things that cause tragedy that's what the bible says is evil That's how the Bible describes and defines evil in and throughout uh, the Word and throughout history. And so it's really the opposite of God. God being perfect. God being holy. God being loving. God being pure. And the opposite of God would be evil. So as we look at how do we resist these things, that's what we're talking about. Uh, there's a verse that really jumps out to me that is really pointed with this topic, and it's in James, James 4, 7-8, says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We're going to use this verse as really an umbrella verse, and we're going to build off of this verse, and explain, describe, define this verse ten other ways, okay? But it's all anchored in this passage in in James. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you, okay? So, we're going to look at ten ways to resist evil. Ten ways to resist evil. Every active Christian can resist evil these ten ways and I say active I I, I, uh, qualify that statement because if you're passive if you're just a passive Christian and you're just cruising, you're coasting, you're not resisting or if you're just giving in, then you're not resisting but if you're active in I love Jesus, I want Jesus I'm pursuing Jesus uh, whether you see it on fire or not, not, that's not what it is that you're, you're actively following Jesus, you can resist evil. Okay. Now, as I thought about this topic, uh, how many of you would like to be up here? Right? How do, the question is how do I resist evil? And I'd love to turn the tables and ask you how, how do you resist evil? What, what do you say? What would you say if you had a friend? You know they're kind of like new to this stuff. Like, what would you tell them? How do you resist evil? First thing that comes to mind for me is sometimes I do really good at resisting evil, and sometimes I do not do really good at resisting evil. Anybody with me? I'm lying. I can't see your hands. So here we go. From one human to another, we're going to look at God's word and see what He has, and uh, and it's possible. Every active Christian can resist evil. God's not setting us up to fail. He's not dangling a carrot that's unobtainable. It's possible in Jesus. It's possible, just like that story. It's possible. So ten ways to resist evil. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of ten. As a matter of fact, as as I took this to print and made it into your notes, I thought of four other ways. Now, you might think of other ways as well. You might describe different things beyond this list. This is not an exhaustive list. There's more to it. So, that's okay. And you might be thinking, ten ways? Like, that's way too many. How am I going to remember that much? You don't have to. The pressure is off. So the point is that you would start where you're at. Wherever you're at, however long you've been doing this, you would start where you're at, and then you would build from there. And as you follow that course of following Jesus, passionately pursuing him, you're going to continue to add and grow, and he's going to continue to teach you and give you everything that you need for life and godliness. Everybody with me? Ten ways to resist evil. Okay, We're going to apply to three of them. Um, these first three, we're going to group them together because they've already been covered covered recently or are going to be this uh, week in the Alpha video. Know your enemy. How do resist evil? You've got to know your enemy. That topic is addressed in this week's uh, video. It's really important. It's important that for you to know that the Bible does not say you are to be afraid of your enemy. But the Bible does say you are to be aware of your enemy. Two very different things. Okay? So, how do I resist evil? Use your weapons. We slowed down in the spring in our Ephesian series right after Easter, and we took eight weeks to go over the armor of God. It was awesome. It was solid. It was amazing. God has given you weapons to use. Use them. How do I resist evil? Use your weapons. If you need to go back and reference that, go ahead. It's also covered in this week's Alpha video. And then prayer. How do I resist evil? Pray. This was covered two weeks ago. Crucial, crucial to talk to God, to listen to God. How do I resist? Pray. Okay. So we're building off of these, and we're going to. How do I resist evil? Well, don't blindly follow your heart. Don't blindly follow your heart. The world says loud and proud, follow your heart. If you feel it, it must be good, right, true, therefore follow it. And if anything or anyone comes against what you feel, it must not be good, therefore don't follow them. Well, the Bible has something very different to say. And actually, the Bible, that is, the author of uh, um, God, being the author and creator of your heart, not the world, God, right? He spoke to the heart over a thousand times. We're going to look at three of those. Okay? Jeremiah 17, says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? This is an important facet of the heart. This is an important facet of the heart. James 1, 14 through 14-16 says, But each person is tempted, that's you, that's me, each one, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then once that once you're tempted and you give in, then desire to conceive. Uh, excuse me, I'm having trouble with words here. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And then he says, "Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters." Why would the Word of God caution you to not be deceived? Because you can't be deceived. How many in here are deceived right now? The tricky thing about being deceived is you don't know it. Right? You don't know you're being deceived. Therefore, God is saying, you have this broken, corrupt part of you within your heart, which is the center of emotions and desires. That's how he made it and defined it, being made in his image and his likeness. He said it was good. And then sin entered in the world and there's this corrupt, deceptive part of it that you need to be aware of. Don't blindly follow your heart. You don't know how to resist evil. You've got to start here. That you are easily deceived. And if someone that's really good at deceiving, he's been mastering his craft over a long period of time. He watches you, he studies you, he watches human history, he's good at what he does. You need to be aware of him and his schemes. With your heart, and I have one more I want to point to you, and uh, it's not the Romans seven one. I'm going to let you either, uh, go into that uh, your own. It's really important passage in this topic. Uh, but there's another one that I came across yesterday that I was reminded of. Actually, the weekend, I thought, oh yeah, this is this is super crucial for us uh, in this. and It's Hebrews three twelve through thirteen. Hebrews three twelve through thirteen. It says this. No longer, but sin. That's Romans 7. We have that. Boom, here it is. Okay, that's the back side. And then you want to get to the front. There it is. Thank you. Thank you, Earl. That each person is tempted when he is, nope, that's James. We're getting there. So next, no longer, that's Romans. Almost there. God, Hebrews. Well, there's the second half. Okay, I'm going to read it. That's okay. You guys wrote it down. We're all paying attention. We're all awake. Hebrews 3 12 through 13 says this Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. He's talking to Christians here, okay? Believers, like you and me. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort, like encourage, one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's possible in you. How do I resist evil? Don't blindly follow your heart. And those are God's words. He made your heart. He's the author of your heart. A thousand times over, he spoke about the heart. We all have a heart problem. Okay? How to resist evil? Don't blindly follow your heart. And then from this heart piece, we're going to continue to, to weave and sew some other pieces into this. that I won't directly reference it. We're going to build off of the heart piece. Okay? How do I resist evil? Next, make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ... And make no provision for the flesh to gratify what's desires? To gratify, what's the word? It's. It doesn't say yours. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its, not yours, its desires. That's what Romans 7 points to. There's this broken, corrupt part within our heart that deceives us, and we are susceptible to it. And so as we are enticed, um, and we give in to that, there's this corrupt part of us that is not who God made us to be. It is sin within me, but it's not me and who God has made me to be. So, He's saying here, make your provisions for the flesh to gratify its broken, corrupt, harmful desires, okay? Uh, Making provisions would be to purposefully provide, to purposefully make a way and supply to fulfill the flesh, okay? It's like leaving a door open. I know I'm going to come back in there. I want to just kind of keep it cracked because I want to continue to go back, okay? If you were going down a path, and you go down this path every single day, and you kept tripping over this same thing, every single day you keep tripping over this same thing, over the same path you go every single day, at what point do you remove the obstacle? At what point do you remove the obstacle? You keep finding yourself tripping over something, at what point do you remove the obstacle? Is there a door in your life that you need to close Um, I, it was actually just a few days ago that I removed the social media app off my phone. There's just kind of, there's temptation in there and just kind of regular exposure. And I'm just not that strong. I'm just not that strong. And then there's a bunch of other just kind of junk that just kind of draws me in and just lures me in. And it wants a lot of my attention. And so I could keep it and hold on to it and continue to fight and stay in that just constantly. Or I could make no provisions for the flesh and get rid of that, and then now I'm not having to sit there and fight that every single time I think about my phone or see my phone or whatever. It's like, oh, I feel freer, right? feel freer. Is there a door in your life that you're needing to close? How can I resist evil? Make no provision for the flesh, okay? How can I resist evil? Admit when you're vulnerable. Admit when you are vulnerable. This is So amazing, this little passage here. So you have Jesus in the desert. He was led by the Spirit into the desert. Uh, He's praying, he's fasting, and then towards the tail end of those uh, 40 days, uh, Satan has a visit with him, and he tempts him. And this is what it says in Luke 4, 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he from him until an opportune time. Satan tempts him when he accepts all of his tempting. He didn't go, Oh, I'm defeated. Jesus did not accept any of my lures. I guess I'm done. I'm go cry. He said, He's departed until there's a more opportune time. He's just coming back. When you're vulnerable, he's not done yet. How do I resist evil? You've got to admit when you're vulnerable. You've got to not be ignorant of when you're vulnerable. Willingly, unwillingly. It's really important to know when you're vulnerable and to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God and to be honest with others when you're vulnerable. We are vulnerable, more vulnerable, when we're tired, when we're stressed, when we've had success, when we're down, when we're sad, when we've just stood up for something good and right or for Jesus. We are more vulnerable. Amen? We have some unique vulnerabilities different than women. Men, we tend to have more vulnerability around sex and lust. More around money and work, whether working too hard or being too lazy. We have more vulnerability around emotions of anger. We need to not be ignorant. We need to admit: if you want to resist evil, you need to admit when you're vulnerable and where you're vulnerable. Women tend to have more vulnerability around food, around relationships, leading like to codependency and enabling. Tend to have more vulnerability around anxiety and depression. Tend to have more vulnerability around comparison and jealousy. You want to resist evil? Don't be ignorant. Be aware and admit when you're vulnerable. I had a friend who demonstrated this really well this last month. He had a big thing going on. He finished the big thing. And he said, hey... I think it was before. He says, hey, once I do this big thing, this good thing, will you just keep an eye on me over the next few days? That was such a wise wisdom move. Because I was able to be more mindful. I'm glad that you brought that to my attention. Because I was able to just pray for him every day. God help him, protect him, and check up on him. That was huge. You want to resist evil? Admit when you're vulnerable. Let's keep going. How do I resist evil? Call it what it is. Call it what it is. is. Second Corinthians 2.11, I love this verse. Uh, it says this, and I, and I paraphrase the context of it for the sake of, you know, how does this flow uh, in what we're talking about today here. We chose the righteous thing. This was forgiveness in that context. But we chose the righteous thing so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his design, meaning his schemes. You want to resist evil? Call it what it is. Don't be ignorant of, outwitted by him and ignorant of his designs and ignorant of his schemes. So as you are, your flesh is that broken, corrupt part of you, you are incited, you are enticed, you are lured, you are provoked, and that stirs up right, that continues to manifest itself, what we do is really important, okay? If we take it at face value, we're going to fall. But if with spiritual eyes we're able to see spiritual truths and look past what is at face value and what is surface level, we can see the lure, we can see the hook. On the fishing hook, you got the nice, shiny part. That's what's attractive, right? Same thing with the bait of Satan, the temptation. There's a nice, shiny part. It's got your attention, right? That's what temptation is. It's because it's tempting. There's a part of you, the broken, crooked flesh part, that wants it. Now, when you're tempted, that's not sin. Jesus was tempted. You can say to yourself, Christian, when I'm tempted, that isn't sin. It's not a sin that I'm tempted, but it's what give it. it's what I do with that. And so you got to, you want to resist evil, you got to call it what it is. As you see that shiny part, you can admit, hey, that's pretty shiny. That's pretty attractive, it has my attention. But don't look, uh, you got to look past the flashy part, and you got to see the hook. you got to see the lure for what it is, because there's a hook. Satan's intentions for you are never good. They are always for your harm. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a deceiver. My native language is English. His native language is lying. He always twists and manipulates in order to harm you so that he can harm God. The best way to hurt me would be to hurt my kids. As a parent, that's what Satan's trying to do. Hurt God and hurt his kids. You'll resist evil. You got to call it what it is. See past the surface at the shiny part. And there's this revaluing that takes place. And, you, and we ask ourselves the question, am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to pay the cost? What will that cost me if I do this? Okay? How do I resist evil? Call it what it is. How I resist evil, proclaim what is true. Going back to that Jesus story in the desert, uh, we see Jesus do something really important. This is something for us to learn from him as we seek to follow him. We must walk as he walks. We seek to be like him. And proclaiming what is true is something that Jesus did. And so as Jesus was tempted by Satan, Jesus responded with truth with God's words. Matthew 4, 4, 7, and 10. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again it is written, Be gone, Satan for it is is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Notice, Notice here, Jesus did not quietly think to himself. Jesus did not quietly pray. He proclaimed truth. So, as you are tempted to believe Satan's condemnation for your imperfection, right? you can proclaim the truth and say out loud, you can say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 As you are tempted to beat yourself up for your imperfections, which I know always have that tendency, I have that tendency to beat myself up and be too hard on myself, you can proclaim the truth that even though my heart may condemn me, God is greater than my heart and he knows everything. 1 John 3.20. As you're tempted to believe that you are abandoned and God's not with you or close to you, you can proclaim, God says he will never leave me or forsake me. He is with me to the very end of the age you are tempted to believe doubt, God's not really real. It's, it's just a shame, right? It's all and they're just up for your money or whatever it is. God's not really listening to you. You can hold on to the truths that God has already proven to you. Things that you know that you know that you know. You know it in your knower that God has done what he's done, said what he said, is real, proven himself. You don't have to give up what you know to be true for the things that you don't know to be true. You can hold on to the things that you know to be true. I know this is undeniable that God has proven this. And I can hold on to that in the midst of doubt. I do. You ever struggle with doubt? If so, you're not alone. And we can hold on to what we know to be true. We can proclaim what is true. You're tempted to believe you're not forgiven. You can say, God says, he will remember my sins no more. Hebrews 10. You can say, I don't even know what to pray. But Romans 8 says the spirit himself knows exactly what to say. So it's okay. Love it. I got to say this one before we move on too. When you're tempted to believe, tempted to believe that sin is too powerful, you just have to give in. It's just too much, right? It's just too powerful. It's just too loud, right? Satan's voice is loud. He is yelling, you've got to do this. You can proclaim Romans 6. He who has died to sin has been set free from sin. He who has died to sin, when you say, I'm going to live for Jesus, I'm not living for sin, right? That's that repentance. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to live for me anymore, right? You have died to sin. Anybody that's been baptized and saying, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for him. You have died to sin. He who has died to sin has been set free from sin. That rule, that reign, that power that sin once had over you when you were not covered by the blood of the Lamb and it handed you your butt. Once you made Jesus King and Lord, you acknowledge He is Jesus King, He is Lord, He rules and reign and you have been set free by the power of His blood from the rule and reign of sin and having to give into it and having to live for it. So you get to resist and proclaim. How do I resist evil? Proclaim what is true. Next, how do I resist evil? Overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21 says this, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And there's this refocusing that takes place here that's super critical, super critical. Uh, Especially when it comes to habitual things, um, addictive sins, this refocusing is crucial, crucial. How do I overcome evil? Overcome evil with good. When you, this is by the power of the Spirit, this is the only way to walk as a Christian, as we follow Jesus, as we are tempted with lust, which is not just a man thing, it's a men and women thing, it's a human thing, wanting, wanting, always wanting. Okay? As you're tempted with lust, you can resist by the power of the Spirit, you can resist doing the lustful things, and you can choose purity. You can choose. Instead of the lust, you can choose self-control. It's a natural byproduct of the Spirit. When you're tempted with greed, Christian, you can choose to practice generosity instead. You want to combat that greed? You can combat it by doing good. Not being overcome by it, but doing good. It combats that broken, corrupt, deceptive part of our heart you're tempted with pride, you can choose humility, follow Jesus-likeness. When you're tempted with hate, you can choose kindness. When you're tempted with bitterness, you can choose forgiveness. God, I don't know how to forgive them, but you know how to forgive them. Help me forgive them. When you're tempted with self-centeredness, you can choose others-centeredness. When you're tempted with fear and being afraid, you can choose. God, I know you're with me. I know you will keep me safe. I know I can trust you. You can overcome evil with good. When you're tempted to be impatient, you can choose by the power of the Spirit to be patient. God, help me do what you know I cannot do on my own. Isn't that the Christian walk? How do I resist evil? Overcome evil with good. Lastly, this. How do I resist evil? Embrace God's grace. Embrace God's grace. This is huge. This is super important. Uh, I love this passage. probably one of my favorites you know however many I have a hundred you know this is one of my favorites Romans uh, 2 4 says this again brief paraphrase setting it up for this context here don't you know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance this really reveals God's heart okay don't you know God? God's kindness the, the purpose of his kindness is to lead you to repentance now Maybe if you have some church baggage, you might be hung up on that word repentance. You don't have to be. It's not a bad thing. It's, a, it's actually a really good thing and it literally means a change of mind. A change of mind. And so God's kindness, as He has been gracious and kind to you and He receives you because of Jesus, because of God's perfect justice and mercy found in Jesus, His blood shed on the cross, his perfect life, living for us, being raised to life to set us free from the power of sin and Satan, and to give us that same power by the Spirit, as we stand before him (laughs) empty-handed and point to Jesus say, it's because of him, right? There's transformation because of Jesus. That's all God's grace. And it's God's kindness that leads us to that change. He's not wagging his finger, right? That's what I would expect humanly, that he would just be wagging his finger at me because I've been such a disappointment to him, right? I have not upheld my end of the bargain. But it's his kindness that leads me to repentance. So instead of him wagging his finger at me, he embraces me with Grace and mercy—that <laughs> that warms my heart, that softens my heart, that that makes me alive inside. That that produces something in me that is not of me. N- not to mention, as I do these things imperfectly, like I said, like how how do I resist evil? Well, sometimes I resist it really good, other times I don't. Right, And it comes back to this grace of, well, it's his kindness that's meant to lead us to repentance. So as we meet grace, it motivates me to change versus the finger wagger. So I'm fully free, I'm fully forgiven, I'm fully clean because of Jesus. And it emphasizes the true desires, right? My true desires and who he's made me to be not the broken corrupt self flesh right but who he's made me to be which is like jesus as i embrace his grace and it transforms and it illuminates and empowers how do i resist evil embracing god's grace if you're here today and this is maybe this is all really new and uh but in particular, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, Um, it is not an accident that you're here. God is at work in your life. He is at work in your life, wanting you to come to him, to come to that realization that it is his kindness and he wants a change in your life for you to be close to him and to not do the things that are destroying you or just trying to do life without him, but he wants you to come to him. And he'd love no more than for you to have a conversation with him, to talk to him and to listen to him and ask for forgiveness because you will be well-received because of Jesus. For those of us that have made that commitment and we're walking this out, right, every one of us that's actively following Jesus, we can resist evil. As James 4 says, and coming back to that, by submitting ourselves to God, that's all that we've been talking about, submitting ourselves to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from us, and we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Amen? Amen. As we finish this time, we have we have a song that's perfect for this topic and perfect for this now, this moment here in response. And so, uh Uh, we would hope that this would be a prayer of yours and it would become a prayer of yours, that as you are faced with temptation, this is something that would be just a part of your walk with Jesus. This is one of the lines that's in this song, and this is really why we picked this song. The song is, Lord, I need you, and the lyric is this, teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you are my hope and stay. Teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. Amen? Amen. May that be our prayer. May that be our praise with our eyes fixed on him. Will you guys join me? Let's stand. Let's sing. Let's worship our king.